you're ready to stop submitting basic applications and winging your interview for your next nursing role, whether you're a graduate nurse or a seasoned healthcare professional, we'd love to exclusively invite you to our secret nurse growth hub, where you can get all of the support to apply, interview and land your next nursing role completely free. All of the resources that we've shared and created over the last three years that have helped 3,000 plus nurses internationally apply, interview and land their next nursing role. So what are you waiting for? Come and join us today. It's completely free. LiamCaswell.com forward slash NGH. Come and join the Nurse Growth Hub today and let's make applying, interviewing and landing your next nursing role easy. cannot please everyone. And in fact, your job as a manager, as a leader, is not to please everybody. You are the meat in the sandwich. The Adon have high expectations of you, and regardless of their capabilities, and then your staff have equally high expectations of you. Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hey, 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 beautiful humans. I hope you're all doing well. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we dive in today, I wanted to share an email that I got from an amazing graduate nurse. Fatima emailed me a little while back in August and she said, Dear Liam, I hope you're well. I'm emailing to let you know I got into my dream grad program. If it wasn't for your amazing advice via the podcast, I wouldn't have made it here. Now it's time for my real work to begin. Thank you so much. Kind regards. Fatima. My goodness, Fatima. Not a true word has been spoken. It's all about to go down in your nursing career, but we are so excited for you here. Thanks for sending it in. If you want to jump on the podcast and you want to get a shout out, send me a message. Tell me how the podcast has helped you build your life and career, your business, your nursepreneurship as a nurse and tell us all the things. I love hearing it. You sometimes forget when you do the podcast that people listen to it. And to date, since we launched, we've had nearly 35,000 downloads globally across like something crazy like 40 countries and 180 cities thanks peeps so honored it's such a privilege to be here and I I know your time is so so precious so thank you for sharing it with me and yeah I hope that you continue to support high performance nursing moving forwards with your ears and your eardrums (laughs) so today we're talking about my experiences of being a nurse unit manager And the reason why I wanted to do this today is because I've been posting a few things about being a numb and my experiences, and I posted a picture of my desk. (laughs) Of all the things, I posted a picture of my desk as a nurse student manager, and it bloody blew up. It went cray-cray on my Insta. And I don't think it was the desk. I think it was actually the captions, which busts the myth that I believe, which is that people actually do read the captions. So thank you. I'll need to sort out my typos. But jokes aside, it really got me thinking. And ironically, back when I first started high-performance nursing, My goal, and my goal still is, and I'm working towards this, was to help clinical leaders lead more effectively. And the reason being is because, of course, as a nurse unit manager, (laughs) it was a hot mess. And I had all of the thoughts, the worries, the fears, and all of the lack of support, everything that you can imagine happened. So I think this will be a bit of a series in episodes just to give you insight into some of the roles that I've had. 
I'm always interviewing other people and I'm like, oh, I've done like 15 roles. I can talk about them and give people my own personal perspective. So hopefully that's of value and I'm sure you'll take something away from today. So there's so many things that I could talk about when it comes to being a nurse unit manager. Funnily enough, it was one of those things that I always dreamt of being. I'm one of those weird people. I'm so bizarre in that sense that my goal when I first graduated, I remember driving to Edinburgh. We used to drive an hour and a half to get from my house up to Edinburgh. I lived in a small town in Scotland called Hoik. Sounds disgusting, I know, but it is a really beautiful place. Hoik, so we drive from Hoik to Edinburgh every day, Monday to Friday, for university and we'd be driving in the car and we'd be talking about our placements and you know having a laugh and singing along and just being idiots trying not to kill each other as we drove up the winding road to Edinburgh and yeah I would always be like that person that was like oh you know I really can't wait till I can make an impact I really can't wait until I'm the CEO and they all used to laugh and they'd be like all right whatever Liam sure and I guess that's why I got to where I got to, because I really, like, by the age that I was, like, I was nurse unit manager by 27, (laughs) 27, 28, and I just pushed, I just knew, I just knew that I had something to give in that space, and it's so interesting that when I got there, that's where it kind of all just, like, unfolded in front of me, and that's where I started to question everything, so let me dive into what I would like to share, having been a nurse unit manager. The first lesson that I want to share is that it's not better there than it is here. And I share this because I used to hold this belief that when I become an assistant manager, it will be better. (laughs) And you might run a similar story, like when I become a CNS or when I become an educator, it will be better, it will be different somehow. And here's the truth. It's exactly the same, just with more shit. (laughs) There's more things to deal with, there's more responsibility. And that's the only difference. You just have more on your minds, right? You have more things to think about when you're at that level. Of course, you do have the flip side where you have more impact and more abilities to change and yada, yada, yada. But really, it is no better there than it is here. And I only heard that recently and it really clicked with me because even when I was driving to Edinburgh, I was thinking to myself, oh, it's going to be so much better when I'm a a nurse unit manager and when I'm a CEO and I'm changing the world. And yeah, it wasn't. So that was the first thing. The other thing was that no one really knows what the heck they're doing. (laughs) And I kind of did think about this. I did see this from afar as I was building my career, right? Because we look around and everybody kind of just looks like they're running around with like a headless choke. But it is really quite true, especially as we build our careers, we start to see the gaps that exist in the healthcare system. And one of the main challenges that we've all seen is that we have healthcare leaders who are amazing clinicians. And I like to put myself in that bucket because I think that I was a bloody good nurse that then move up the ladder. And being an amazing clinician does not equate to being an amazing leader or an amazing educator or an amazing director of nursing or a CEO. So really what ends up happening is you're actually surrounded by a group of people that have great intentions, but they actually don't know what they're doing. So this is good in a way, right? Because if you're somebody that's holding yourself back from these roles because you think you don't have enough yet, good news, you've probably got more than enough and you can move up and you can get what you need when you get into the role. And this is true for every job that you have in your career. You never know the how until you're in the job and you've done it. 
So I, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast, for example, until I was an our senior manager, right? Because I, I wouldn't know the how, I wouldn't have the insight, but that's never a reason to not apply for something. So not a lot of people at that level know intuitively what they're doing. A lot of it is trial and error. A lot of it is just trying our best with what we've got. It is cutting corners galore in a sense that we've got to just make things work and we've got to work with systems that don't talk to each other. And one of the biggest frustrations for me was the lack of technology and the lack of use of technology. I mean, if you're an student manager and I can see you all right now, and this was me walking around with a notebook, with this notebook that I never go back to reflect on, I never check, I never like, it's a, just a hot mess in there of scribbles and notes that I'm never going to be able to find. Aussie nurse Rory Tanner would think that that's an absolute nightmare <laughs> and that we should be better equipped systems and processes so that we can integrate it. So I did end up taking in my own personal iPad. I started taking my notes on that. I started taking it to meetings. So when I was in a meeting, I could have my iPad there and I could actually do work because that was the other biggest challenge was that I would take all my work home. I could not actually get my work done at work, even though I went in at 6am and I started at 7, 7.30 and I wouldn't leave until seven o'clock at night. And then I would take work home. So if you're somebody that's listening to this and you're thinking, oh my God, do numbs really work? That They bloody do. They bloody do. Not everybody, because some people have obviously got better boundaries than I have. But it is the norm. There is this pressure to take it home. And when the roster is due and you haven't been able to do it, despite scheduling it into your calendar, then what? You can't not publish the roster when it's an EVA requirement. You have to take it home. I've spent many weekends doing the roster, pulling my hair out, maybe with a glass of wine. <laughs> But that's one of the main frustrations is the systems, the technology. And one of my big dreams, goals, was when I was in our student manager, I kept thinking to myself, I'm going to create an app. I'm going to create this amazing software that really helps our student managers lead their teams effectively. Because, I mean, it's just a hot mess. It is an absolute royal shit show, excuse my French. So technology is a huge, huge problem. The other thing that I came up against was people pleasing. Nurses, notoriously, we do love to people please, right? It's our job. Our job is to please people. So if you're a nurse and you say you're not a people pleaser, I struggle with that. When I was a nurse unit manager, I would come across every day people that, you know, we needed to please. And what I found to be true was that the more that I tried to please everybody, I pleased no one. And that was hugely problematic and made me overthink everything. I was super stressed, super worried, concerned all the time. So much so that I would even sometimes before I went into work, rehearse what I was going to say to people, knowing that I had a conversation that could be difficult or problematic. I would be in the shower talking and my partner would be like, Liam, what are you doing? <laughs> I'd be saying, I've got this meeting today and I just need to like rehearse it ahead of time. Call me cray cray. That's how I coped with that. You cannot please everyone. And in fact, your job as a manager, uh, as a leader, is not to please everybody. You are the meat in the sandwich. The Adon have high expectations of you and regardless of their capabilities. And then your staff have equally high expectations of you. Put on top of that, all of the myths and all of the beliefs that people hold about non-clinical nursing roles like you can see why we're technically set up to fail, right? Or you're just sitting in the office, you know, you never come out on the floor anymore. You know, are you even a nurse? All of these things I have been told, people have said to me, relatives, staff, some staff have even questioned my clinical skills and been like, oh, do you really have these skills? <laughs> what, excuse me? What do you mean do I have them? Of course. So 
you cannot please everybody. It is not your job or your responsibility to please everybody. People will dislike you. And I've learned over a lot of time that that's their bloody problem and not yours. So free yourself of the need to people please, knowing that you have been conditioned to people please your whole life. So that's going to take some time to unlearn. The third thing that I've got here written down, I think this is fourth, third, I'm not going to count them, just throw them at you, is that your mindset matters. Now you knew this was coming. I'm always talking about this, but even more so now that I coach on this all the time, and I'm always thinking of different ways that we could use coaching in healthcare because I believe it's the missing piece. I believe if every nurse unit manager had access to a coach that preferably was not attached to the hospital, that they could thrive in leading their teams, that they could thrive as a human and they could disconnect their work life and they could just really enjoy the job. The job of being a numb is a friggin' amazing job. It is awesome what you can achieve in that role, but not without the cognitive mental health psychological support to navigate it because you are just pulled left, right, and center all day long. And if you have no tools to manage that and you're feeling shitty, that is why. It's not because you're a bad manager. It's not because you're not suited for this role. It's because you're ill-equipped, which is good news because you can get equipped, right? You can come work with us and we'll help you. Or one day when we get into all the hospitals and we have coaching available to you, you will thrive and prosper. Mindset really matters. And here's why it does. The thoughts that you have about your abilities to lead dictate the results that you have in your leadership style. Let me say that again. The thoughts you have about your ability to lead, the beliefs that you hold about your leadership capabilities and management capabilities dictate how you show up and dictate the results that you have. So if you're somebody that thinks that you can't lead, right, you're not going to (laughs) lead. That's how you're going to show up. You're not going to lead your team. Maybe you've got some staff playing up. Maybe they're causing some issues, right? Maybe you get lots of complaints. Maybe the team are not motivated. Maybe your culture is not as great as it could be. Now, I'm not saying it's your fault that the culture is not as good. But as a leader, everybody looks to you to hold belief that this is the best place in the hospital for patients to receive care. So if staff get a whiff that you, that you don't believe that to be true and that you think that the work that we're doing is not up to level, then they're also going to believe that as well. Right? Remember, our staff, our team are impressionable. So as a leader, it's so important that you're conscious of the thoughts that you're holding about your abilities, but also about your team's abilities. Do you want to feel better as a nurse? Learn how to manage your negative self-talk, improve your confidence, prevent and reduce burnout, and build your nursing career on your terms? If I'm hearing a big fat yes, our high-performance nursing membership is perfect for you. Come and join me and our amazing community of high-performance nursing members every week for live, life and career-changing coaching and access to so much more within our community. Our goal is to help you rekindle your love with yourself and your passion for nursing. You can join us at liamcaswell.com forward slash HPNM. Come and join the community today and let's build that nursing career on your terms. I have this idea that I think would be so fascinating to explore. And if you're a numb, I want you to think about it. I want you to even bring it up at your next meeting. Imagine if we walked into a, nurse, into a team meeting on a ward and we asked everybody in the room to share their thoughts about the ward. Just share a thought that they have, that they frequently think whilst they're working on X ward. Now, when I reflect back to my last role as a nurse unit manager in geriatric rehab, 
I think about what would the staff say about our ward? And a few things came to mind. They would say things like, we don't have enough staff. It's not safe for our patients. They would say our ratios are not safe. They would say things like it's impossible to achieve zero falls per month, right? We're always busy. Now, I want you to think about collectively, if everybody has those thoughts, what feeling is that generating for the whole team as a vibe? Like, what is the general ward feeling? Okay, like, is it pissed? Is it stressed? Because I'm sensing that most of the thoughts that people will throw at us about our wards are probably negatively geared, which will cause a negative emotion. And when we feel negative emotions, we take negative action and we don't do a lot of things that we should actually do, i.e. follow policy and procedure, delegate, question, escalate, not cut corners, and then we create negative results. Can you see that? I'm curious. I know you can't respond to me, but I really want you to see that. When I saw this, I was like, oh my goodness, the thoughts that we hold as a team, and we always talk about group think, right? The thoughts that we have as a team positively or negatively impact the results that we have. So if that's true, we've spent years changing our actions instead of looking at the thoughts that we're having about our team and about our wards. And I reflected on this and I thought about my time as an student manager and we had one goal in particular, which was to achieve zero falls in a geriatric rehab board. But I can hear you all laughing like, ha for sure. And that's what everybody thought. And every meeting I was like, no, we've got like, this is totally, and obviously I didn't believe it, even though I was trying to convince people to believe in, because it's part of an AM's job is to convince everybody about the things that maybe sometimes you don't believe, but that's also problematic, right? And this is why. And the team would question this goal every time and they'd say it's unattainable. We can't do it, Liam. It's unachievable. And I would push back and I would question it and I would say it's so important. We've got this goal and we've got to drive forward towards it. But no one believed it could be done. And did we ever achieve it? No. Is that because we didn't have the right things in place? I don't think so. Looking back now, we had every possible solution. I'm sure there's something else that we could have tweaked or tailored or done. But every possible solution was in place. The only thing that on reflection I can see was problematic was our belief and our ability to do it, right? How interesting. I would love to hear your thoughts after this episode. I would love to hear what you think about that and how you think it could impact your team as a nurse unit manager. Your thoughts dictate your results, but your thoughts as a leader dictate the collective team's results. So, so powerful. And we could talk, and maybe I will in the future, more about that. The other thing that I found when I was in a nurse unit manager role, I found this as I built my career, actually. The higher I got, the more lonely I became. The more detached you are from the pack, from the team. And it's not always true, right? Because your team do, even when you're a leader, you are part of that team. But there also does have to be a boundary and a fine line. And we all struggle with that, typically, where we've been a mate or we've been a peer or like a colleague, and then we get promoted, And that's one of the other challenges, which is nursing career identity shifts. When you go from being a nurse on the floor and you move into a CN role or you move into an educator role or you move into a CNC or NAM role, you have to let go of your previous identity. Consciously, subconsciously, you have to consciously work through that and realign and be like, oh, when the call bell goes off, it's not my job now to respond to it. Right? Like that's really hard, especially when it's ringing for a long time. You can, of course, go out, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, and I did a lot of the time, but that came from a place of not being able to let go of the identity of my 
previous self, in my previous roles. So if you're somebody that's struggling with that, I want you to know that that's normal and you should expect that, right? What's not normal is to hold on to your nursing identity, i.e. the floor nurse or working clinically or whatever it was, team leader, and not do your nursing leader responsibilities. And I see that a lot. Why do we do that? Because being a nurse on the floor is comfortable and it's familiar and you don't have to tell people they're getting sacked and you don't have to tell them they can't get their annual leave and you don't have to tell the Don that we've gone over budget. You can do the things that you know how to do that have less implications for you. So it's safety, right? It's familiar, it's comfortable. Even though you know you're going to have to take the work home and do it on the weekend. It's insane. I love mindset. So I find the role to be lonely. I found that there wasn't enough support for me. I hear day in, day out that a lot of people don't get support. I also hear people on the other end that have support or they have the people around them, but they never have the time. Try and make the time. We used to go for our morning tea and we really made it a conscious effort to go. And of course, the, then the stereotype, well, there's the manager sitting at the coffee shop. We did it like once a week and I never in my whole time being a nurse unit manager, I took a break. I can guarantee you that I ate my dinner at my desk, my breakfast at my desk, and sometimes my evening meal at my desk as well. Not healthy, not good, but it's a reality of the role. We've already talked about the huge identity shift as you move through your career. And I think that's so, so important to recognize when you first move into these roles as a nurse unit manager, you're going to feel all the feels. You're inviting in all the discomfort. Remember, your brain wants you to do the least amount of things, the least amount of effort, right? That's easy, giving you instant gratification that's comfortable and safe. So when you move into a nurse unit manager role, it's the complete opposite. So you should expect to feel all of the things. You should expect to feel that probably for six months minimum, right? That transition period into the role. The other thing that comes with identity shifts is boundaries and making sure that people understand that you're no longer the buddy buddy, right? And this is what breaks cultures. This is what we see turn amazing wards into hell holes where people are bullied and there's packs and it's just horrible. When you climb the ladder, it's okay to of course still have friends, but remember your team are always watching and they're always looking for reasons why they're not part of the pack. It's part of our primitive brain's function to find evidence to prove why we don't fit in and why we're not good enough and why John is better than Jane. So just be really conscious of that as a leader, that your responsibility lies in giving equal, equitable airtime to everybody in the team, regardless of who's been there for the longest time and whatever else. Like You need to really lean into giving everybody equal opportunity and maintain those boundaries and show people what that looks like in role model it, lead by example day to day. That's one of the challenges that I face as well. A couple of things that I find to be super beneficial on the back of me just saying give people equal airtime. Of course, one of the things that I found was that I did an activity at the start of my nurse unit manager time. And this sounds brutal to people that are not managers, but hear me out. What we were asked to do was to basically write down a list of all of our staff and write down who are our low performers, i.e. people that are on their way out, that we know have got one foot out the door, who are our middle tier performers, you know, they come, they do a great job, and they get on with it and they leave, and who are our high performers, the people that come in and are thriving, and they're our next leaders, and they're moving up, and they're keen, driven, motivated. One of the things, it sounds brutal, but it was actually really beneficial, because one of the things that we ended up doing was like, 
the people that have got a foot out the door, of course, you can try and keep them. And if you lead a great team and you've got a great culture and you make time for these people, most of them will stay, right? Because it's familiar, safe. But the question then becomes, do you want them to stay? The question becomes, are they good for your culture? And that was really insightful for me just to be aware of. Of course, I never used that to judge or to penalize people or whatever. It was just based on my interpretation. So one could argue that it's not even factual, right? Because other people might think that John is a high performer and I maybe listed him as a low performer, for example. But it wasn't actually really about their performance. It was more about how they showed up at work and what challenges they were facing and so on and so forth. I found that to be really beneficial because it allowed me then to see where I should invest my very, very precious time. And usually the highest reward comes from investing in the staff that are committed to working there. So just something to be mindful of. The other thing that I found to be hugely beneficial was something that's in the, oh God, the name of the book escapes me. I think it's the seven habits of highly effective people. I haven't read the whole book. Stephen Covey, I think it's seven, could be 10, it could be 50, who knows? Habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey. And in that book, he talks about this concept that I put up on my whiteboard as an astronaut manager. And I could see at the corner of my eye and it just became this thing, this tool that I used to manage, I guess, my reactions and manage myself when all this shit was flying at me. So one day in particular, we had, I think, like six complaints come through in one day, like one after the other. It started with a, a relative came into the office and berated me for an hour and a half about how our patient experience was abysmal and that the signage on the ward was terrible. And this was a brand new hospital, by the way. And I sat there and my team are terrible and I should be embarrassed and I should be, people are, yeah, humans. Mm. So I took that for an hour and a half. In the end, it actually turned out to be really a great learning opportunity for me, a great lesson for how we can improve the ward. And also it was a great opportunity for me to manage myself <laughs> and to not fly off the handle and get protective and defensive because that's my natural instinct. Because when you're an assistant manager, it's like your ward is like your baby, right? So anybody says something about it, you're like, hold on, <laughs> let me tell you what we're doing. And that never serves us. So I didn't on that day, I listened, I took it in. She even drew all over my whiteboard she went crazy mapping everything out, but it was so beneficial and it gave me a really different perspective. And I could see through her eyes why it was hugely problematic. So that was the first thing. Anyway, long story short, that ended up in me getting a bottle of wine from her. I think I disclosed that as a gift actually, but she came in a couple of weeks later and she was like, I noticed you changed the signing and I put it into place and blah, blah, blah. She's like, I love that. Thank you so much. You know, so it does pay to listen to people and implement the changes if you can, if you think they're valid. Anyway, I've got multiple complaints that day. I'm really problematic family. And I look across to the corner of my whiteboard and on there, I've got Stephen Covey's circle of influence and circle of concern. I've got two circles drawn on my board, terrible shape, not normal circles. One of them just says circle of influence. The other says circle of concern. The circle of influence is on the inside and it's smaller and the circle of concerns on the outside. And I use that as a tool to place my thoughts about what was going on. And some days that is literally what got me through my day. So whether you print it out, go onto Google, have a look at it. Basically the way it works is when something comes up, something happens, you get an email from a relative that's complaining, you're about to leave the unit and somebody wants a roster change, all of these things, you're going to look at your circle of concern and circle of influence and you can say, where does this land? Is it something that I can positively impact right now? 
or is it something that's just something that I need to think of? Like it's a concern. It's external to me. The best way to judge it is, is it external? It goes in your circle of concern. Is it internal? It goes into your circle of influence. So that really helped me because I could put the complaints in concern. Of course, I've got to deal with them, but they're not about me. And they don't mean that I'm a bad nurse or a bad manager, even when people tell you that to your face. Who are these people? And then, the circle of influence was like, well, what are my thoughts about this? I can manage that. I don't need to think that I'm shitty because they think I'm shitty. That's their problem, right? I love this quote, which is like, what other people think of me is none of my business. And as a manager, you just have to have the thickest skin. That's something that I really struggled with. I am a highly sensitive person. I'm empathic. I'm a people pleaser. I've got childhood trauma. I'm LGBTQIA, I hid in the closet for years. I have all the things, right? We all have different stories. So these moments where I would be confronted and somebody would question my ability to do my job and my capabilities to lead a team were deeply triggering. So this was one of the tools that I really, really loved. One final tool is just to remember that being a nurse unit manager is a pretty thankless job. You have to find the opportunities in your day to recognize your own growth. If you're in a place where people do that, that's amazing. But nine times out of 10, it's a lonely role where you have to have your own back and you have to sing your own friggin' praises. Whether you do that through treating yourself every week, like factor something into your calendar where you gift yourself what you need to thrive within your nursing career. I used to do a singing lesson on a Friday night. It meant that I had to get out of the unit. It was non-negotiable. I couldn't cancel it because I would get charged and I had to leave on time on a Friday. That's what I put in place so that I had a boundary and that I knew even if my week was really terrible, I could go on Friday and that was like my release. So whatever that is for you, find it, implement it into your calendar and make it happen. I think we'll be doing more of these. I hope that something today in this has helped and resonated with you. Nurse unit managers, you are friggin' amazing. None of us know what we're doing. We are just doing the best that we can with the resources that we have. You are good enough, you are worthy, and you are capable of creating anything. If you take one thing away from today, really hone in and explore your leadership thoughts, your beliefs that you hold about your leadership style and your ability to manage and see how they're impacting you first and foremost, and then see what the thoughts of the team are. And maybe they've borrowed your belief. Maybe they've lent and installed that thought from you as well. How can you change that? How can you explore that? How can you improve that? Rather than just changing the actions that we take on the wards, maybe it's more so about looking at our collective group think. Something for you to ponder. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think of this one. Shoot me across an email or let me know on social media. Always love to hear. And until next time, stay safe and stay forever curious. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out our High Performance Nursing Membership, my monthly coaching program where we take what we teach in this podcast and we take it to the next level to help you thrive as a high performance human and a nurse. Join us at liamcaswell.com forward slash HPNM. I would love to see you in there. I'll see you in coaching.